And we're back for another episode of Athletic Insights. We're joined here today by our guest, Coach Jerome Erdman of Simon Fraser University. Coach, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Zach, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for your time. Um, and if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment here to uh, introduce yourself to our young viewers. Hello, everybody. My name's Jerome Erdman. Uh, I've been involved in football all my life. I actually went to Simon Fraser University. Uh, after that, after graduating, I played in the CFL for eight years, then went over to Scotland and played for another five years and coached for 10. Came back to Canada and uh, started coaching. I've coached at McGill, UBC, Bishop's University, and now I'm at Simon Fraser University. And have you been a specials coordinator the entire time? Uh, no, I've also been a defensive coordinator and uh, coached uh, defensive backs, linebackers, D-line along the way as well, and receivers. Do you, and do you have a preference of, of like which team you're coaching, or do you prefer to coach defense, or do you just like being in football in general? I love coaching football. Uh, the great thing about coaching special teams is you're usually dealing with the whole team. Uh, I love being a DC, but you're only seeing half the team. Specials, you get to see everybody, and I really enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, especially because you're a player's coach. So one of the things I wanted to, to go in uh, to go in a little depth with you is, do you have a specific coaching philosophy? Um, like, I know it's easy for me to just pe peg you as a player's coach, but obviously it's got to come from, from somewhere else. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a little easier having played the game. Uh, I firmly believe that no player tries to make a mistake on purpose. Right. Um, as a as a coach, our job is to hopefully make our players better and put them in the best position to win. Um, we have to correct. We have to correct hard. But at the same time, we also have to be positive and they are doing well. Uh, like I said, nobody tries to make a mistake. So no point you know, browbeating somebody. Uh, the only issue we have as coaches is, is if you make the same mistake over and over again, then we have an issue. But, you know, our job is to correct and to encourage. And you've done a very good job at that. So for the listeners at home, uh, Coach Erdman was my specials coach, I think just for my last year at Bishops. And then yes, I think you did one year after that before returning to Simon Fraser. So how did you make that decision? And then what's the biggest difference between U sport football and NCA football? Um, well, I got offered the, the full-time job at Simon Fraser. And to tell you the truth, with the pandemic and the situation that was going, um, it didn't look like we were going to be playing football. But uh, SFU came along and very generously offered me a, a full-time contract with a guaranteed salary. And, and plus, there was the allure of, of going back and coaching where I played to give back to that program. Um, it, it's, it's exciting. Uh, NCAA is, is much, much more structured than U-Sport. Uh, we actually have to take a couple of tests before we are allowed to coach to step on the field or even to begin to recruit. We have definite timelines of when we can talk to players, how we can talk to players, how we can visit. Um, very, very, and I have to, that's one of my jobs at SFU. I have to keep record of how many times we actually see our players 
Uh, there's very strict guidelines to how often we can practice, how long we can meet for, everything. So it, it's it's much, much more structured. That's the biggest difference, and other than the, obviously the rule changes. And do you notice a big talent difference, or, or what's the main difference? Is it quarterback play? Is it offensive line? Or is the caliber just a little bit better across the board? Um, there's a lot of great, great football players in youth sport. Uh, NCAA is, for the most, it's a different type of player getting back to, like, the American game. Um, just generally speaking, uh, they're a little bigger and a little stronger, uh, you know, because it's more of a, a grind game down there, um, you know, and let's face it, with a lot of players, there is the allure of being NCAA. I mean, that's the, the top of the heat mm-hmm. college-wise, and so it attracts a, a better type of player, to be honest. And so like, I've always found it so interesting that Simon Fraser is a Canadian university whose football program plays NCAA. So how did that come about? And do you see other schools like maybe Western Laval potentially going that route in the future? Because I know that they've applied in the past, but for whatever reason were uh, rejected. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right now we're, we have the distinction of being the only school outside of the U.S. to be in NCAA. It goes back to SFU's foundation, actually. We uh, were originally in the NAIA, uh, so we always played American schools. Um, the only Canadian school we usually played was uh, UBC for our annual Shrum Bowl. But, uh, and then we went to U-Sport, or OCIU at the time, for a couple of seasons, but then they applied and actually got accepted into the NCAA and so we went back to our roots, per se, uh, and playing the American game. The thing is, too, is that, like, BC high schools all play American rules up here. Okay. And that goes way, way back to when they used to play a lot of the schools in Washington State. So, okay. you know, th- there's always been that close connection to the American game out west here. Very cool. And that definitely must have an effect on the type of player you're being produced with the four down football and the American rules. Do they play on a smaller field as well? Yes. Okay. It, it's strictly American rules and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that's a great thing about our province right now is uh, athletes coming out of high school definitely have the option. If they want to stay home in BC, they've got UBC, which is obviously the Canadian game and they've got SFU, which is the American game. So uh, it's great to have options as a player coming out. For sure. And speaking of options as a young athlete coming out of high school, what has recruiting looked like for you guys during the pandemic? Like what have your struggles been and how have you guys adjusted? Uh, the, the struggle is actually getting quality film of the players that we're recruiting, actually visiting them. Like right now we can't even go watch practice if they're practicing. Obviously there's no games you can talk to them on the phone and, you know, through Twitter and all that, but you, sometimes you miss the face-to-face, mm-hmm. you know, looking a, a player in the eye, getting a feel for them. I think that's probably one of the biggest challenge. And as tough as it is for this year's crop coming out, next year's is, you know, even in a, a bit of a 
tougher situation is that we we're not going to see film of them at all you know, right. unless it's yeah unless it's you know junior film so and especially at this age where a lot of the players are making great leaps in strength mm-hmm. you know yeah. size and everything it's you know we have to do a lot of projecting yeah and recruiting is never an exact science as we all know but it, it's just one more difficulty added into it and what what okay two questions here i've two things i'm really interested in so as the special teams coordinator do you recruit players that you have like see potential in teams for or do you kind of wait until the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator have done their classes and then you kind of sift through who you have like how do you do the recruiting as the special teams coach and then Uh, sorry go ahead that's yeah no that's a great question um one of my titles out at SFU2 is I'm also the recruiting coordinator. So I kind of got to set it up for everything. But uh, there are certain players that we will um, recruit for specials, obviously, other than the kicker and the punter. Um, And we have recruited guys specifically because they're great returners. They might be a receiver or running back, but the major component of our recruitment of them is as a returner. Uh, And also, I'll be honest, we'll, we'll recruit some kids that we know we have to develop down the line, but there's somebody because of their athletic ability that we believe can contribute on teams right away. So there's a little bit of both. Perfect. Thank you very much. And, and what do you look for personally um, now that you're recruiting, you know, for NCAA, there's probably a little bit, it's probably more competitive. So what's really separating athletes for you? Uh, to tell you the truth, the biggest thing, and, and as much as student-athletes hear it, uh, and some, unfortunately, some of them dismiss it, but it's so, so true. Before we even get our foot in the door, it's academics. Right. If you cannot get into school, and SFU is a pretty tough school to get into, you know, we can't do anything. So, and for all the student-athletes out there that are listening, it also tells us a, a lot about what you're going to be on a football field. If you're disciplined enough and committed enough to do well in your studies, which I firmly believe everybody can be mm-hmm. and get grades good enough to get in university, then what are you going to be like on the football field? You know, you, you have to be a well-rounded individual to be able to survive university athletics and do an academics. So that's the very, very first thing that we look at. And then Obviously, it's your athletic ability. Unfortunately, uh, for some, size does come into play. Like if you're a five-six offensive lineman, you know you can have all the greatest technique in the world. You, you just won't be able to compete. Right. So, and it goes by positions. Whereas, you know, if you're a five-nine receiver, but you're super quick and got great hands, we'll probably find a spot for you. So, size, athletic ability. And the thing that I personally look at and which really hurts us, another thing of how this game is sort of morphed is now all we get, unless we get to see them, is highlight tapes. And um, even I can look good on a highlight tape. It'll be the world's shortest highlight tape, <laughs> but I could look good. But like when we used to get game film, I always looked at what the players were doing when the play wasn't coming their way. 
Are you hustling on the backside? Are you staying on that block? Are you still running your pattern, loafing or, you know, not sprinting to the ball if you're on defense? These are all the things that we can see if we actually go to games. That's why recruiters love going to games. On highlight films, we don't. So for all of the guys listening out there, you got to give your all every play because we are looking, we even look at you in the warm-up. It's paying attention to detail. All these things go into what we're looking at when we're recruiting you. 100%. And do you think that measurables um, are going to have a bigger impact on the next couple years of recruiting? Definitely. Definitely. So, you know, you're looking for explosiveness, you know. Yes. 10-yard splits, 40-yard dashes, jumping, that kind of stuff to determine whether or not they're physically capable? Exactly. I mean, uh, that is always an important aspect. Um, Not the most important aspect because we've all seen guys that test through the roof and then you get on the football field and they just don't have the juice. I hope you're not talking about myself. Uh, Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Um, But, you know, so – but now with a, it takes on a, a, a greater importance, as you say, because we're having to rely on it more because we actually don't see as much game film. So it's always important, but even now it, it's going to gain some importance. Absolutely. And then just quick, just for, just for me to know, what, what would you say measurables, what's the standard at SMU, let's say for a skill position, for like a corner receiver running back? What, are, what should they be running? What should they be jumping to to not be wasting your time, essentially, if they're trying to get recruited? Oh, if they're trying, like, I tell you what, there's still the biggest thing is, you know, overall is speed, right? Uh, they say you can't coach speed. Obviously, you can. But if you run a legit four, five, four, it gets our attention. Mm-hmm. And then we'll look from there. So if you know, you're trained, you got to, and for a position, if you're an old lineman per se, and you can't bench 185, then there's probably going to be issues. I don't know how hard of a look you'll get. Whereas if you know, do two and a quarter, 15 times, which is a lot over an exaggeration coming out of high school, but some do, yeah. then we're going to be like, Oh, okay, well, let's take a closer look here. So it, it depends on the position. You know, and, and and verts if you're if you're over thirty or something, you, you know, wow, that grabs our attention. But the biggest thing I would say is your forty time. All right, and if you're in a strength position, OD line is strength, like how much you can bench. Perfect. It's pretty much what I was expecting. Um, what are your personal hopes for football in twenty twenty one? That we can actually play. <laughs> We have, uh, um, we're, we're, at SFU, we're, we're turning around a program. We're, we're rebuilding a culture here. Uh, we've got a great staff. So, you know, we're looking to turn it around. And, you know, and that's important with recruiting because now when you're doing that, we recruit for character just as much as we recruit for athletic ability. So that's always a challenge. Um, you know, getting all our COVID protocols, we had a, a few practices in the fall, but we couldn't practice with the whole team due to numbers. 
which makes it very, very uh, interesting, let's say, to try and organize practices and, and meetings and stuff and follow COVID protocols. So uh, my biggest wish is for everybody, actually, not just athletes and stuff like that, be smart, wear a mask, get healthy, let's get through this so we can return to whatever the new normal is. But we've all got to be responsible and try and help do that. And, you know, we have very strict protocols at our university. And but still, if you go out in public and they're not following these protocols, it's kind of a waste. So my biggest wish is that we're playing everybody's healthy and safe and that we're playing football. I could not agree more. Um, But I just want to go back a little bit quickly. You had mentioned um, recruiting is difficult when you have like a high standard for, you know, like the quality of person you're recruiting as well as the athlete. Yes. Um, so what is Simon Fraser's, like, what's their culture? Do you guys have a slogan? Like, what, what are the things that you're preaching to the guys? Well, right now, our, our culture is IAY, which is, means I appreciate you. Um, we appreciate the effort that our student athletes are putting in and our coaching staff uh, and all our supporters. And we're trying to... Uh, you know what, you, you got to streamline things. Like every team make up, there's the 10-80-10 rule where you got 10% that are your leaders. You know, they do things to the best of ability all the time. Then you got the 80% that can go both ways. They're kind of like, uh, and then you got your 10% that are always complaining, why are we doing this sort of thing? So we are trying, and our team has that right now. And we have got to get rid of that bottom 10% and the top 10% has got to be at least 40%. So they got to bring people up, you know, it's something that we did at Bishops as well. Right. right? Um, And and we did do that at Bishops and that's how we started to turn it around. And no, it's not because you left Zach. But it was, <laughs> hey, but I was a 10%er, so I did. You were job. a 10%er. You were a 10%er, but you know me, I had to give you a shot. 100%. But anyway, so, uh, so we're, we're actually in the same process, right? Getting rid of the, the bottom 10 and converting that top 10% to closer to 40. And, you know, that's going by paying attention to detail, being tough on them, see who's going to stick it out. And that's what we're in the process of doing right now. And that's, that's a very long, grueling process. I mean, it sometimes is. it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm sure you guys are doing a great job. And I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to start watching some of your games because they're all – I found a stream for when 2021 starts. So I want to take a look at what you guys got going down there. Awesome. Um, but I, I did want to ask you a little bit more of like a personal question about just like your experience as a student athlete, as a professional athlete, as a coach, um, but more as just a football enthusiast. Like what has the game given you and, and, and taught you? And just you got to spend so much time um, around thousands of, of athletes, whether you played with them or coached them or mentored them. And uh, I just kind of want to get a sense for what football did that gave you as a person. Um. It, yeah, football is, in obviously I'm biased. It, it, I think it's the greatest sport in the world. Uh, you know, it, it's taught me discipline. It's taught me how to work with a, a, a 
big group of individuals that have such varied socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, different cultures, yet you all got to work hard and rely on one another and pull in the same direction to get to achieve your goal. Um, you have to be disciplined, especially as a student athlete. When you're going into university, it's one of the best times in your life, right? You can meet so many new people, uh, experience so many new things, but at the end of the day, you still have to be disciplined and take care of business. You have to set your time to study. You have to set your time to practice, to work out. And also, just as important, you got to set a little time to have some fun. Because if you're grinding the whole time, it, it just doesn't work. You get burnt out. So you got you to gotta have your fun, but you got to be disciplined to know, okay, that's it. Um, football is very, very good for me in teaching me that. And you know what? It, I just love it's changed me when I first uh, went to university and stuff like that. I was one of those really, really shy, introverted people. Uh, didn't go out much, didn't party much. I was just too focused on getting the job done, which I'm glad I was at that time. But mm -hmm. then once you start playing pro, it forces you to open up. I remember getting traded for the first time where I actually went into a situation where I literally did not know a soul, not one person. And it forced me to come out of my shell uh, to start engaging with people and stuff like that. And that's obviously really helped me in my coaching career to be able to talk to people um, and just the opportunity to work right now, work with great young men and women. We have a female kicker on our team who is, who's just a star. She works just as hard, if not harder than most of the males on our team. And, you know, it's so great to see mm -hmm. and just working with all these great, great athletes um, it, it keeps you young. So I can't say enough good things about the guys I played with, the men and women that I coached, uh, you know, and you meet, you know, people such as yourself it, that you will keep in touch with for the rest of your life. So uh, it's just an awesome experience. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think um, at the end there, you summed it up really good. It's the, it's the people you get to meet and the relationships you get to build. Um, that's the only thing you remember. I, I really don't remember the, a lot of the games a lot. Cause that all happened so fast. And I think, uh, when I got to Bishops, Kevin Mackey gave us a speech just about seconds and how you, even if you start for four years, mm -hmm. you're only playing a couple hundred seconds of football between the whistles. Yep. Um, and that really helped ground me to understand there's so much more um to the process like you had mentioned you know you had your head down and you you were probably not balancing the fun work-life balance yeah i was the same same way and i'm still working on that today so that's something um I, i'm starting a leadership academy in january for our young athletes that's oh, one good. of the first things we're going to talk about is um where's the balance between like tracing greatness as a leader but also um, you know, you don't want to burn out. It's you're still kids in high school. Like there's exactly there's a middle ground to what we're trying to do here. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I think we have very similar outlooks and um, football is definitely a sport that provided um, me the discipline I needed. And, and just like a good challenge, too, because we do live in a society that is um, 
there's not a lot of uh, output or uh, what's the word? Sorry. Um, there's not a lot of outlets, physical mm-hmm. outlets left um, besides maybe hockey and football. Um, yeah. A lot of the contact sports are, are going away. So I certainly hope we can kind of get back to playing some tackle football. We've got some seven on seven stuff going here because we're a little bit more rural yeah. um, than most communities. So, um, oh, that re- I, sorry to interrupt. That reminded me. I forgot one of the most important things that football will teach you, too. Um, and you reminded me. Thank you. Is uh, competing. You have got to learn. Football really taught me how to compete. And, that, and that's one of my big things is we, we've got to teach these young athletes how to compete. Um, because to survive in the real world, once you finish football or school or something like that, you have to be able to compete. And sometimes in some of the schools and the way some of the things are handling, we're, we're not doing our best to teach our kids to compete. Like it's not like win at all costs type of thing, but we still have to be able to compete. You have to be able to compete in football or else you won't excel. And I firmly believe you got to be able to compete when you're out in the real world or you won't excel in sports right now is one of the few places where you're actually being taught that. So, yeah, I, I, I see a lot of young, young athletes these days, not wanting to take a step out of their comfort zone. Exactly. Um, and I think that has to do with just, again, it's not the parents I want to blame, but just society in general is yes, gone I agree. a very specific way the past five to 10 years. Yes. Um, and coming from a player safety standpoint, I don't have any issue with it. Um, but I do hope football is one of the sports that they leave alone um, yeah. because it's one of the last, like I was trying to say earlier, it's one of the last true outlets for, um, you know, the not gladiators, but you, whatever you want to call the, yeah. the football player, what they would have been a couple thousand years ago. Um, those guys need an outlet, especially in university. Um, I, I can tell you firsthand, I would have gotten into a lot more trouble if I didn't have, you know, 90 guys keeping me accountable and coaches I respected and, um, just opportunities and, and, and it, meet, it, it it gives you an opportunity to meet people who are on a very similar path exactly. as you in life. And that's the, what I find the easiest way to like maintain a meaningful relationship. You don't need to talk to them every day, but you can just touch, touch base with the guys you played with once or twice a year. And, it, and it's because you built that bond. It feels like it's, you're just picking up like yesterday. Exactly. Exactly. Well put. Um, and then the last thing I have for you here is I would just love it. Uh, what's your, take-home message like a, a piece of advice for the next group next generation of athletes that are trying to get second level uh first and foremost do well in school if you do well in school then the world is your oyster you can pick where you want to go if you hamstring yourself and screw around in school and don't get the grades then you're very very limited give yourself the best opportunity and the other one is embrace the grind uh nothing worth having is is going to be easy there's going to be lots of times you'll get up in the morning and feel, oh i don't feel like doing this but great players work through it and the other thing is fine it, like you mentioned earlier is hang out with a group of people that are like-minded there's always going to be somebody that's going to try and distract you and pull you away and stuff like that hang out with people that have the same goals as you and it's always easier it's always you you know you you make yourselves work harder you hold yourselves accountable and there's less opportunity 
to go down an errant path. So do well in school, grind hard, surround yourself with quality people and listen to your parents. And try to figure out a way to have fun that doesn't get you in trouble. Exactly. And there's tons of way to do that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the guys that I'm working with, they love the process so much. Their, their enjoyment is training. So yes. those are the guys that I don't worry about at all. They're mm-hmm. the type, they're not going to get in trouble because I know where they are on Friday. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? They're in the, they're in the weight room. Yep. So, um, but I just want to thank you, uh, Coach Erdman, for your time. And uh, hopefully in the next couple of years, I'm able to send a few guys down your way. I so would love that. Five range. I would absolutely love that. And I appreciate you uh, asking me to do this. I enjoyed it. We'll do it again. Have a great one. Okay. Thanks. We're at.